Uh, just a quick note, for much of the duration of this, I refer to the actor Kenneth Ives, who plays Dominator Toba in the present tense. Kenneth sadly died after I'd recorded the first couple of episodes of this story for Happy Times and Places, passing away at home at the age of 87. So RIP to Kenneth, who was a fine actor and a brilliant television director. Yay, it's happy times and places. An attempt to be cheerful about Doctor Who, even the Dominators, by doing an episode commentary, accentuating the positive, and trying to guess what my special guest's favourite things about each episode are. So, I'm Andrew Smith. Uh, I'm a writer, and um, in relation to Doctor Who, I wrote Full Circle, uh, a TV series for um, Tom Baker in his last year uh, as the Doctor and for the last 10 years plus I've contributed several stories to uh, the Big Finish audio ranges for Doctor Who and other titles and uh, yeah, so Toby, for uh, my contribution to this excellent series of yours I've selected The Dominators Um I'm well aware it's not the most loved of uh, Doctor Who's stories. Um, uh, and I, I don't know if I'd defend it as a great story. I don't think I would. But um, I love it. And I love it because I remember watching it as a six-year-old. It's one of my earliest Doctor Who memories. Um, and I even remember having a dream uh, or even a nightmare at the time, because I was six years old, um, in which uh, there was like a cliff edge and qu- a line of quarks were coming over the cliff edge, uh, appearing there. And um, uh, yeah, it's burnt into my memory. And uh, I had no idea years and years ago that, that the story still existed. So when it was released on VHS, I remember being very excited and then watching, uh, watching the video and then seeing that that thing I remembered from my dream or nightmare was actually a memory, was actually something I picked up in the TV show because it actually appears in the show with the quarks appearing over the cliff edge. So this sets off a real chemical reaction in my brain. Um, so I'm sat here now in my front room and I am now about to watch episode one. Um, and I shall, at the end of episode one, I shall pick out my favourite thing, um, uh, as I'm required to do. Uh, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Happily, um, I'm not watching this just to contribute to your podcast, Toby, but also uh, as research for a story in a in a range that I'm script editing uh, for Big Finish at the minute. So uh, it's a win-win, really. But anyway, let's have a look at episode one of The Dominators. And I don't know about anyone else, but I, for one, am really looking forward to this. And uh, I hope you enjoy it, mate. Cheers. Well, everybody, how exciting is this? Welcome to Happy Times and Places. And I'm very happy that our special guest this time around is Andrew Smith, writer of Full Circle, a bona fide Doctor Who writer. He's canon! Uh, And uh, the canon fodder. Uh, that he has selected for this podcast is, as he says, nobody's favourite story, and certainly not 
one of mine, I have to say, The Dominators, and I'm a big Patrick Troughton fan. So let's see what we can come up with uh, for this uh, this tale. But how exciting to have Andrew as part of it. I mean, I remember watching Full Circle as a kid. Season 18 is, is, is one of my earliest memories. I remember bits of 16, mostly repeats, I think. Um, a lot of 17, but then, I mean, I remember all of... I remember all of 18. I remember where I was when a lot of those episodes were on. So, um... I even had to go to somebody else's house to watch episode two of Full Circle because I had missed it for a school thing or a party or something. But it was the early days of videotape and somebody we knew had a video and they videoed it for me. So after school, one day I went to theirs to watch the episode that I'd missed. How exciting, those sorts of days. The idea of having a 60s episode on videotape was out of this world at this point. And now here I have it on a thing that we couldn't have even conceived uh, where the videotape has been reduced to tiny little pixels or the, what the pictures on the videotape have been reduced to tiny little pixels and uh, stored uh, in, a, in, a, in a box, a Brit box. I do have this on DVD, but I'm for convenience sake because I get better sound. I get sound out of uh, the speakers attached to the internet that I don't if I play a disc. Anyway, you don't need to do you don't need to know that. So I'm gonna watch it on a lovely big screen, which I've never done. And I am gonna press play on The Dominators. Patrick Troughton's five part story, The Dominators, is gonna begin in three two. Have I pressed play? Have I pressed record? Yes, I have. I wasn't sure if I'd done that or not. In three, two, one. And it's taking a while to load. Yeah, there's... Oh. Uh, Alexa, volume six. Uh, you can tell that this is live. <laughs> it's not live by the time. Alexa, volume six. Uh, so this was the earliest for me. Alexa... Volume 5. I'm so sorry. Uh, this is the earliest for me. Um, Patrick Troughton solely full story. For when I was a time tot, I mean, there were, in fact, more episodes of this existed than I think existed of the whole of season 5 or the whole of Patrick Troughton's contribution to season 4. We had episode 3 of... The Underwater Menace, one of the Faceless Ones. Oh, and the two of the Moon Base. That was it. And another one came back of the Faceless Ones. Now, these, um, this, this spaceship thing, I seem to recall there's lots of different fades between the pictures. There's no attempt to sort of marry it up and go, this is, this is one continuous shot. Um, and I remember they they do that with the TARDIS, don't they? With Fury of the Deep, we see it spinning, and then it then it fades to the next picture. And it's like, well, we we can't do that, so we just do this. Um, I'm I'm not sure that's tolerable to today's eyes. I think we need a, a bit more of an attempt to either disguise that or or to do one continuous shot. Um, but it's interesting that it happens a, a, a couple of times in 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 quick succession. Now here is in my recall the best thing about the Dominators straight off the bat, and it's Ronald Allen. Uh, as a rather sort of cadaverous creature that he is. he I think he's got a great 
sort of un- undead alien thing going on about him and a and a and a, and a, and a suppressed cruelty um and it's 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 a it's a sort of gruesome and alien performance and no disrespect to Kevin Ives Kenneth Ives who does a very good job too but i i think there's a slight added alienness to what uh, Ronald Allen does and i think he's super super duper and i remember when Ronald Allen died um because he'd been in crossroads uh, there was a sort of suggestion. There was a sort of damned with faint praise of Ricardo. I remember Mum saying, "Yeah, they were kind of saying he wasn't he wasn't that great an actor." And I think, uh, you know, because he was he was famous for Crossroads. There was a certain sort of things were slightly the coverage was slightly patronising, and he'd sent himself up a little bit in the comic strip presents where he played Uncle Quentin in the famous five spoofs. Uh, uh, and of course, if you send yourself up, that then gives people license to do it as well that was a very interesting segue uh from the sort of smoky smoky mountain model i i actually thought uh the because brickbox occasionally slows down and i thought oh is this so don't know it says again a funny kind of uh segue from that to then a new model shot to to now we're on film here with uh with this wonderful um, uh, cast here, of uh, 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 we have Cully played by Arthur Cox, often um, criticised this casting for casting a middle-aged man as a uh, young rebellious youth, and uh, uh, Arthur Cox is not a middle-aged man in this. It's just the olden days where he's slightly balding and portly, but that's young people could be that. Um, uh, and and his two of his three mates uh, are played by actors, seeing as these are short-lived characters, actors with a great future. Wahed is played by Philip Voss, uh, who's already been in Doctor Who and Marco Polo as Akamat, but went on to be a leading player at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Uh, played Shylock at the Royal Shakespeare Company, but did some great, great theatre work. Um, as well as some, some telly as well, but he's a mar- marvellous classical actor philip voss uh, who only died last year as i record this of covid sadly um he'd like he'd retired pretty much uh, i interviewed him a couple of times he was a delightful man he was he was very theatrical and and good luck with the project he said to me i recall and i remember we did a thing he was in an episode of out of the unknown playing a very small part but he came in and did the commentary for us for the bfi which nobody got paid for uh, and he said and and you know people had to introduce themselves and go you know i was i, I my name is jim magoo uh, i played uh, the leading role of sting uh, and uh, philip was with uh, my name is Philip Voss, and I played a policeman. Uh, and it's very sort of Nicholas Craig, the actor. I loved, I loved it. I, I really liked Philip Voss. And, and again, the, the fact that he was a man of such illustrious theatrical pedigree, but he ca- he was happy to come in and chat about a, a sort of one scene part in a in a thing. Uh, and he, uh, he he let me interview him for Who's Round over the phone. Uh, delightful. Really liked him. Uh, and what a great career and I think he's excellent in this in fact I, I remember when I was writing running through corridors with Rob Shearman because um, Rob goes first and in that we have to say what we like about the episode and Rob wrote his entire essay about Philip Voss because he's so good uh, he's, 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 he's although he's got this 
very up pronounced RP. It's a very naturalistic performance, and it's got lots of little. Just the way he's sort of leaning slightly and playing with his pencil, uh, it's it's sli- just slightly more modern than a lot of the acting. Certainly in sort of smaller parts that you get in Doctor Who around this time. And the and the man in the dress is uh, Malcolm Tell- Terrace, uh, an- another actor I was surprised to learn had been in Doctor Who because he was in television a lot. Uh, when I was younger, and he was sort of ruddy-faced, pudgy-cheeked. He's a slightly sort of piggy actor. Uh, and he's, of course, the co-pilot, weakling scum in the horns of Nymon. But he was in all sorts of things when I was younger. Uh, so I was shocked when I saw his name on the cast list in the Doctor Who episode guide in Doctor Who magazine, playing Etnin. There he is, Malcolm Jones. He also, I think, only died last year. Yes, I think both of these these chaps uh, died last year. Um, and Nicolette Pendrell, who's the third one, uh, died died some time ago. But her dad, Anthony Pendrell, is in Quasimass in the Pit. Uh, so there's the facts on the three short-lived. Uh, uh, but they're they're quite they're quite nicely drawn. And Warhead, Etnin, and Talata, I take no credit for this, but um, they are the numbers one, two, and three in Arabic, I think. Uh, Johnny Morris uh, found that out uh, for a thing. Uh, Kenneth Ives uh, is a is a uh, actor who became a TV director, but he's Hawkeye in Hawkeye the Pathfinder, so he's uh, got, got good 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 uh, good pedigree. Uh, then became a TV director and was married to Marty Kane, who was a great entertainer in this country. Uh, uh, this is and this is great. There's a fantastic special effect here to kill poor old uh, a photograph, at least, of Talata. And, and the other two have vanished from by her side when she falls over and dies. I uh, don't quite know how that works. but uh, uh, and, and we haven't seen the quarks, of course. They are, they are a mysterious presence for now. And all that we know is that they, they melt ladies' faces. That's a, that's a really good effect of sort of oil and water. Um, and we have the first of the arguments between the dominators about um, whether one should waste power or not. Uh, which becomes something of a recurring theme. Uh, it's a very protracted early bit of the uh, uh, the TARDIS landing sound. So uh, here we have the TARDIS crew. So they've oh they've just been watching Doctor Who. Lucky them. They've just been watching. They've just been doing what? They've just watched episode seven of Evil of the Daleks. Lucky things. Uh, that's a g- great that as part you know you you actually have part of as part of the canon the fact that they all sit down and watch Doctor Who. <laughs> um, lucky them they did something that we can't do. So so Zoe's actually only been in it for five episodes, hasn't she? Um, so yeah, here we get to one of the things that the the whole idea uh, behind this story is that this is a planet of peaceful people, and uh, the writers Mervyn Hazeman and Henry Lincoln. Henry Lincoln, as I record this, has died what, literally a, a, this week. Um, a, a writer I would have loved to have interviewed, but uh, he he was uh, not uh, not over the moon about Doctor. Pardon me, Doctor Who and the BBC. Uh, and in fact, when we tried to get him for the Web of Fear DVD, it basically stalled when he said, I won't have anything to do with the BBC. Not actually just because this story is obviously a, a that's an excellent shot. Maurice Barry is very good on film and in quarries of getting certainly sort of at distance and uh, composition. Um, and, and I like the way he uses the Dominator's feet because that's obviously a, a slightly 
a forced perspective kind of shot, isn't it? Uh, and Ken- Kenneth Ives does a good job of sort of stomping about blowing things up. Uh, you know, he has a s- the suggestion is that he's quite a sadist, and that is a drawback. Uh, that's an excellent explosion of a space. Look at that. There's quite a lot of fuel flying about there. Um, yeah, that's a really great explosion, actually. Like that. Um, <laughs> isn't that a great, Fraser Hines, with a... With a, with a uh, 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 a beach ball <laughs> and and so yeah henry lincoln uh, did did not want to talk about doctor who um although he did do an interview for doctor who magazine i've only just discovered um thanks to gordon rutter who did the interview that actually he was interviewing about something else and said while you're here can can i occasionally mention doctor who and sort of cobbled together three thousand words or whatever um uh and uh he's sending us the files old gordon so that's very generous of him so um we we at least have have henry lincoln on record talking about doctor who but we couldn't get him for any of the official releases but it wasn't necessarily because of this although this story was a bone of contention between mervyn Hazeman and henry lincoln which is why it is credited to norman ashby um which is i believe their father-in-law's christian names stuck together um, because they weren't happy with Derek Sherwin and uh, and their relationship with the production team. Now, but but I uh, uh, and I have to say, uh, excuse my oven for beeping. Um, I'm hoping it will stop. It's got some samosas in. Um, so uh, they're, uh, yes, they're very uh, grim. Those uh, those statues. Um, and I think, are they? I've got a feeling they might be. Shut up, oven! Um, I've got a feeling they they are actually people. Um, they're extras. They're not. They're not dummies. They're actually um, uh, supporting artists made up to look like dummies. And I've got a feeling there was a, there was there was there was a hope to maybe use them as living statues in on Dulcis as well that that never happened um but uh they they're they're yes they they actually rather than have dummy dummies they have made up actresses uh play, playing the uh, the 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 sort of nuclear scarred d- dummies in the in the museum and this is i think this is all great by the way this this whole thing of having a a sort of nuclear wasteland and then you've got the mystery of course of well we're in a nuclear wasteland but hang on so we've got this yeah the initial threat is oh god they've been wandering around a nuclear wasteland they're all going to be soaked in radiation and they're going to die but actually no because the dominators have landed and they've hoovered up all of the radiation so that's a great in for the story i think um, and I, I remember thinking, um, and every time I see them, I think, why have they got three characters, Wahed, Etnin, and Talata? That's quite a lot to sort of sacrifice uh, in your initial salvo. You have to pay for three actors, and it's not like any of them are particularly distinctive characters. Why? Why? Well, you could have just had Cully's best mate or something like that be be you know melted. Um, but it's of course because when when they meet Cully later, uh, he. Uh, he 
he says, oh, I, I came with three friends, and they think, ah, it's the TARDIS crew are his three friends. So that's actually very carefully placed, the number of Cully's mates mirroring the number of the TARDIS crew in order that this lot, this survey team, Balan and uh, Kando and Teal, um, uh, underestimate uh, the threat or what is going on or don't take seriously uh, the Doctor and Jamie and Zoe because they associate them with Cully, and Cully is a... A rapscallion. So I think that's all sort of carefully uh, placed, which I which I like because uh, <laughs> yes, I, that's that's quite funny because because Jamie does. We always like it when Jamie puts his foot in. He goes, "Oh, we come in a tardis." Oh, but not say that. Um, but the Doctor interrupts him and gives him that wah wah moment, and then then explains it anyway. <laughs> um, this is Johnson Bailey, who when I did that, this is this is an early story that I did uh, that I did a DVD commentary for. I had the great pleasure of doing it. It was uh, it was one of the first ones I did. I think maybe the third. Um, and I was very happy to be part of it. And nobody really knew anything about Johnson Bailey at that point. I've since discovered uh, in my research for um, uh, the Quatermass book actually that he's the son of. Katie Johnson, who is uh, Mrs. Wilberforce in The Lady Killers, uh, and also uh, the little old lady in the uh, in episodes of the Quatermass Experiment. Um, so, uh, so that's his claim to fame: is that he had a famous mum, and and this is this is quite sweet. She's very sweet, isn't she? Um, And yes, yeah, so they're, they're, they're being taught uh, they're, they're, they're being taught the dangers of nuclear war, which of course are, you know, very big at the time. And they're unfortunately getting pretty big now as well, uh, which uh, teaches us about complacency. Um, so this whole thing about, you know, atomic war and, and a lot of sort of, you know, progressive drama was, you know, would... would, would uh, uh, you know, ta tackle tackle this issue. None is, you know, for, for for Doctor Who being the liberal program. And I remember being furious when uh, Doctor Who magazine did a special where where uh, they, uh, they they you know different writers wrote about um, the, their their takes on each each story. And there was a Patrick Troughton special, and uh, there was uh, Gareth Roberts, who's it's fair to say somewhat more right-wing than I am uh, wrote uh, a sort of tract about how you know lefty liberals are you know foolish and this story is a great uh, uh, satire of sort of liberal attitudes and I was I was young then I remember being furious with it how oh, dare Doc 2 magazine be a mouthpiece for right-wing ideas and blah, blah blah as I got older I I, uh, I have s sympathy with that idea and I and I don't think that Doctor Who should be there just to confirm my uh, liberal political bias, and I think there is something to be said. I, I, I am, I would always still advocate um, the peaceful way where possible, but I think one has to acknowledge that um, being wholly peaceful um, can, you know, you're a bit stuffed if 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 the other people hold no truck with that uh and and so whereas i i i thought when i was younger 
that this was beyond the pale and a couple of reactionary writers why why how dare you use doctor who to have a go at pacifism i i now think it's a perfectly le legitimate uh, thing to be doing even if uh you know my my sympathies are still slightly mimsy and <laughs> mimsy and liberal but uh you know there was obviously the peace movement was in the air and a couple of writers go yeah okay but what happens if two big shouldered sadists come in uh, with their with their squeaky robots then what are you going to do um i mean I, I mean it's it's i actually quite like the the design here ian martyr does brilliantly in the book doesn't he because he makes them sort of creaky cadaverous oily creatures i think you know who's who's and and, and sort of tortoise like and uh, uh, uh and I mean, they are a little bit tortoise-like. I'm I've never th understood the museums in Doctor Who that have fully operable weapons. And they, you know, you can't go to you don't go to the the, the Museum of Science and Technology in Manchester and get, and be able to take off in a Spitfire, you know. <laughs> or uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure in, in in various you know weapons museums, there's not a loaded musket or anything. Um, but. Uh, I, I mean, to, yes. The, as I say, there's, there's. I, my, my memory of this is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of argument between these two. But there's a, there's a deathly, sort of stillness with a, about um, Ronald Allen there, with a slight grimace to the mouth. So he, unlike the sort of sadist Toby, he takes no pleasure in what he does he, there's a sort of grim fatalism about uh, an alienness to ronald allen that i think is really good is really interesting um and you know the the dulcians here being you know credulous is 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 and logical is is quite nice i mean uh, they the, the, uh, I, I think as as the story goes on, you 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 want to shake them a little bit, but but it's an attempt to create, uh, you know, a, an alien society with an attitude. Obviously, where it all falls down is that they spend the whole thing going. But we're from Dulcis. We're very people. The Pilpil -pil of Dulcis. Well, we've gathered the people of the planet Earth don't all have the same views or the same approach. Let alone of one particular part of it you know this we led to believe this is what the whole planet are like you know this is an island dulcis isn't a city it's the it's the planet i mean uh, you you'd be laughed out of the room if you said uh, the people of wigan are very good at making wind chimes but have no truck with queuing you know or, or whatever it is that you'd want to say um Uh, Arthur Cox was a nice man who played Cully. I used to occasionally see him on the Piccadilly line, having done the commentary with him, uh, latterly with a moustache. And he's one of the few, uh, the illustrious bevy. I have to be careful, because I, th I think I said in a commentary for the Crotons, I said to Gilbert Winnow, you're one of the few actors that's done Doctor Who on Torchwood, uh, a classic Doctor Who in Torchwood. And somebody went, well, actually, uh, there are a few actors. That, you know, here's a list of actors. And I was like, yeah, I, st I still think there's comparatively few. I think I don't have to be picked up on the word f few. You know what I mean? It's just an artful way of drawing attention. It's just better than going, and you are an actor that did, d did Torchwood and Doctor Who. Um, anyway, he's one of uh, a number of actors uh, to have done classic Doctor Who, Arthur Cox. 
and new Doctor Who. Now that's bigger than the actors that have done uh, classic Doctor Who and Torchwood. But Arthur is in a story I've already done for Happy Times and Places, The Eleventh Hour, as Mr. Henderson. Um, so delightful that uh, that, and I think it was pretty much his last part. I saw the last time I saw him on the Piccadilly line. I'd occasionally see him and not speak to him because I didn't pluck up the courage. Then I started to pluck up the courage um, because. I knew I'd have been disappointed if I hadn't, uh, and uh, and I said, you know, good to see you in, in in Doctor Who again. And he said, oh yes, he said yeah. And he said, then he said, I've I've pretty much retired now. But I think I was gigging, and I used to finish on Leicester, at Leicester Square about half ten, and and Wednesday night was the night he'd go to the theatre. So he'd uh, he'd uh, we'd we'd often end up in the same carriage on the same on the same line. Uh, but he sadly died. He also died. Last year, uh, gosh, um, yeah, it's not, it's not been a, it's not been a good couple of years for the people of Dulcis. Um, and again, this is this, this is nice that there's that that uh, that the ship has landed near the TARDIS because the Doctor and Jamie go check out that that's not Patrick Troughton, of course. Tra- Patrick Troughton is not on location for this story, so any shot of the Doctor. Uh, is not him, which is a great use of resources, but uh, uh, and it is quite fun trying to then spot spot uh, Chris Jeffries, who definitely should be interviewed at some point if anyone can find him. Um, I wish some of these obscure people of Doctor Who history were called things like Thunderclap McGinty rather than Chris Jeffries, um, because uh, they would be easier to find. Uh, I love the report. I love the way he does this. Stop it, Jamie, and pushes him away and started. <laughs> and that's a fantastic shot uh, of of the quarks atop a big hill. And then uh, Kenneth Ives' tallness. Uh, there are what well, I think the the, the 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 head design of the cork is absolutely fantastic. The boxes are quite cute. Um, but I remember the seeing pictures of the quarks, the quarks, the quarks, the quarks, <laughs> and. Uh, and you know, thinking they looked absolutely magnificent. I don't think they they're quite as good in in uh, in, in in execution because they they totter about a bit. Uh, and the voices we will we will talk about, um, which I think are generally a good idea, um, but again, don't quite work in execution. Um, Sheila Grant, uh, who's a fantastic radio actress. Um, so that was episode one of the Dominators, which I actually think is a really, really good episode. You know, it's it's setting up. You know, I think I think the idea that there's this radioactive island, which also has a has a a, a museum uh, that is a sort of totem plus research project for you know the effects of radiation and atomic weapons which which gives the story its theme which is of a race that is scared of nuclear annihilation and so have gone down a peaceful path and a race who are fueled on nuclear propulsion but also uh you know quite happy to dominate to walk into any situation and use superior force uh and that you know therefore peace a peaceful attitude is no match for that. Um, so, the, you know, I think that's an interesting dynamic to to fly in. But the fact that then the nuclear aspect of it has has some, you know, practical plot thrust as well. 
I think is good. And and as I say, I think the the the, the placing of the the three characters that get wiped out and 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 that being you know three characters uh, to mirror the TARDIS uh, crew, and then uh, the fact that the box, the TARDIS, um, uh, is 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 the site. Is, is cited where it is that that brings it into the story which means that the the the, the doctor and jamie see the the quark prints and that's also where one of the, the 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 bits of mining equipment later on goes on so it's i think it's all very cleverly placed um there's no other story like it either really because a lot of um you know, a lot of the Troughton futuristic ones, are so, I mean, a, a lot of Troughton stories full stop are set on bases, and they're usually bases on Earth if a slightly futuristic Earth. Um, so there aren't there aren't many on alien planets, and those that are, you know, the, the Macro Terra, it's a human colony, and also it's got the sort of Orwellian you know, cheerfulness thing going on. Um, but 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 there's no real sort of yeah, the, is the alien sort of alien planets where there's an alien civilization and alien invaders too it's 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 a it's a sort of rare mix uh in that regard i suppose we have the gons and the crotons coming up but it still feels it it is it is slightly anomalous in in the feel to the rest of the trout era. so for that i suppose it should be treasured even though i think more to my taste is you know a base with a stroppy commander and you know that feeling of isolation and being besieged and all of that that i i do love those stories so much but that i thought had enough in it to be interesting morris barry is is very good on film he, he i think he films location very well um and the decision not to show the quarks until the end of the episode is was was interesting um and 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 you know that's not unusual I, you know i enjoy it when when michael ferguson does it with the ice warriors in the seeds of death so uh there's no reason not to enjoy it when when morris barry does it here um ronald allen is great uh and, and i think i've got to pick ronald allen at some point uh do I pick him now? Because uh, if I pick him before Andrew does, I get him whenever Andrew picks him. Whereas if Andrew picks him and I haven't picked him, I then can't pick him. Uh, but I, I do think he's... Partially because I think some some of the other characters are played by by, by great actors, but they're, they're not the best parts. Um uh and i but i think he brings something special and alien and sort of slightly cruel but but his enjoyment of his the cruelty isn't too stark and grotesque as i say it has a sort of contained menace and sort of grimacing quality about it i think yeah ronald allen's a, the alien quality that he gives to dominator rago i think is is even though, actually, as we'll discover, there are shortcomings to to the characterization, but that's not 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 the actor's fault. Um, I didn't think I was going to choose that for episode one. Um, I do like well, I do like the the whole there's radiation, but where's the radiation gone? It's been sucked up by the the Dominator spaceship. I think that's a I think that's a really clever piece of plotting. 
and Andrew is a writer. Uh, so the whole... I might choose the whole radioactivity thing because that gives us our setting, it gives us the museum, it brings it brings all the characters into it for various reasons, the survey team there who then can, you know, info dump on us. I think that's all quite um, smartly done. So, yeah, actually, I'm going to do the radioactivity and what it brings to the plot and the storytelling um, and the fact, of course, it's hugely resonant for the time. And as I mentioned, uh, unfortunately, quite res resonant for our times as well. But we continue, we carry on. So, um, radioactivity and all it brings to the episode. And what does what does Andrew Smith, writer of Full Circle, think is the best thing about episode one? Okay, so that was episode one of The Dominators. It's time to pick my favourite thing. And my favourite thing in that was the appearance of the quarks right at the end there. Um, a real nostalgia rush, uh, a nostalgia gasm, if you will, um, <laughs> when they appear. So etched into my memory, such a part of Doctor Who, such a part of my childhood, really. Um, uh, yeah, to finally see the quarks on screen, uh, the little bubbly voice, the pointy head, those arms um, extending... Um, uh, yeah, and they were uh, such a part of Doctor Who for me because not only were they in the serial uh, but they were also ubiquitous in the comics at the time uh, in uh, TV comic comic strips um, uh, so, I, so I saw plenty of them beyond this story uh, but it's marvellous and I, and I can well remember watching Again, watching it when it came out on VHS and seeing them after so many years again for the first time on screen. Um, and it comes right back to me every time I see them. I'm taken right back to being six years old. So, yeah, my favourite thing from episode one is the appearance of the quarks. Oh, I suppose I should have anticipated that. And it is a great, it is a great end to the episode. I love uh, the way that, you know, you have the two of them on that that mound that hill it's a hill it's like a mountain it's massive and and it's a really smart piece of direction to then have the taller dominator come and stand in the middle it's a beautiful piece of composition uh and actually just the coloring of the 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 jet black sort of arms and legs of of, of toba uh, uh also gives him a contrast as well so it's a it's, it's the whole incongruity that is sort of striking and interesting and i do like the design of the quarks um uh but i'm sure we'll talk about them uh, uh, a lot and you know morris barry shoots so beautifully on film for for tomb of the cybermen it's no surprise to see that he, d he does all sorts of great things with the shapes and sizes of the landscape um Okay, so I didn't get a point for that, but I I did enjoy episode one of the Dominators because I don't think I've ever watched it in sort of pieces. Oh, I suppose I did when I did Running Through Corridors, but I remember not having a great time watching it with Running Through Corridors when I did it with Rob. I think it was when Rob and I started to struggle with the Troughton era a bit, but because I haven't watched any Troughton for ages, um, I actually found that a you know. Uh, an intriguing premise it's a good idea it's actually got something to say and wants to talk about something even though um you know it is that the writers do come across as 
sort of slightly fulminating men in tweed at a dinner party going, are these young people with their peace? Um, but as I say, as I get older, part of me goes, and I've got, you know, young sons who are as, you know, idealistic as I was when I was younger. And I found myself in that position that I thought I would never be in of going, well, yes, your idealism is all very well and good, but but half a mo. Um, it, it still has still doesn't mean I'm not a, 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 a weedy and probably not very sensible liberal and w- would always sometimes fly in the face of uh, a more pragmatic argument. But I, I don't know, because I think... I think of some magical part of humanity that must win out. I'm 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 less rejecting of the idea that you can use Doctor Who to explore this idea. Now I don't think they well, we'll see how they explore it. As I say, maybe that was a bias of mine coming into it every time I watched it of going, Well, I don't really like the politics of this story either. I actually think it set up a very interesting conundrum. Uh uh, and you know, not facetiously, it's 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 got the radioactivity and all of uh, and all of that going on. So I thought that was interesting and well, pretty well mounted uh, episode. There are some production flaws, as I say, some of the segues between or the the, the mixing between model shots was. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't think uh, had had too much th- thought put into it, or, or or had a sort of sense of that'll do. I don't know. I don't know. So I do, do. How do I feel? How do we feel about the fact that spaceships sort of all glowing, and then when it's landing, it's 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 uh, it's it's not, and it's a it, it's when it's grayscale rather than sort of sort of glow, translucenty whitey. But m- maybe that's it entering the atmosphere, and that's what. That's what that is, which in which case I kind of like it. I don't know. I don't know. I just think the fact that it it sort of fades from one to the other and there's no, there's no attempt to sort of match it up. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. But um, anyway, we'll throw that in there. As uh, uh, And then there is that really odd um, move between the sort of slightly out of focus Misty Mountains onto the to the landing of Cully and Co.'s craft. Oh, but then there's that wonderful special effect where Talata uh, gets uh, you know, gets gets turped. Um, anyway, yes, plenty in there, plenty to talk about. Certainly not. I think I just found I've just always found it quite a boring story. Um, but when I'm having to concentrate on the minutiae and on an episode by episode basis. I'm very happy at the moment with the Dominators. So uh, I hope you are too. Uh, but I think, I think, sh- shall I destroy episode one? Let's, uh, no, no, let's, uh, I'm glad that it remains in the archive uh, for us still to enjoy. So until next time, uh, thanks very much for watching and uh, hey, peace. Ah, well, thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My guest this time around is Andrew Smith, Doctor Who writer, who can be found on Twitter at Andrew Smith, capital A, capital S. But the E of Andrew is a three, so it's at Andrew3Smith. Yeah, have a look. 
Uh, as I say, I'd like to thank him. I would also like to thank the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Burns, Peter Harness, Ronald Hayden, Rob Leonard, the glory-hungry Christopher Meredith, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Nick Tedston, David and David and Jenny at Blue Box 99, and Paul Carrington. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. like to join that list of names you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash toby haydoke where for three pounds a month you can support my endeavors and as a result get bonus material exclusive releases early releases oh they're so far ahead i mean they're listening to this six months before you are uh, and as i say three pounds a month is the starting tier they go up uh, all the way to, well, I mean, whatever you like, but let's not get into that because I've just listened back to my outro to The Power of Crowell episode two and it went on forever. So patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydoke. Tears, you can sign up for a year in one go and get a 10% discount. Yada, 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 yada. I appreciate any support, which can also be given on ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydoke, which doesn't apply you to sign up for the monthly thing. Apply? Oblige. You know what I mean. And uh, I'm also a stand-up comic and I do stand-up comedy once a week at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club in Manchester, 8pm every Tuesday. That has a Twitter feed. Excess, the letter X, the letter S, Malarkey, at Excess Malarkey. You can follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydoke and these podcasts have their own feed at Haydoke Podcasts. I would be grateful if you could support any or all of those endeavours. Excess Malarkey Comedy Club can also be found online at twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey, which has a few examples of the online shows we did during the pandemic, which we continue to do once a month at 8pm on the first Sunday of every month with me, with special guests from around the comedy world. <laughs> between stints of recording these I've been watching Bergerac on Britbox and I have to say it's the gift that keeps on giving oh you see all sorts uh, Ian Martyr pops up as a as a cowman I think he's credited as in an episode that's got uh, Lisa Goddard as a saucy diamond thief she turns up three times and all her episodes by the way are written by Rod Beecham who plays Corporal Lane in The Web of Fear but, I mean, all sorts of Doctor Who. There's, if there's not an episode that's got three or four Doctor Who uh, character actor types popping up, then, uh, then I mean, Mary Tam is in one, uh, and she's uh, below, on the credit, she's below Mestor, uh, Eric from uh, uh, Underworld, and uh, 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 Severin the Lovely Muto from, from Genesis of the Daleks, who is also... Arak, the grumpy television viewer in uh, Vengeance on Varos, and he's a bit of a slimy villain in, uh, in Bergerac, uh, more akin to his uh, nasty turn in Howard's Way. I'm talking, of course, of the glorious Stephen Yardley. But look, oh, I tell you what, uh, I have a, I have a 
character actorgasm uh, every time I put my feet up and watch an old episode of Bergerac. So I thought I would have... Oh, and actually, Arthur Cox, Cully, has turned up in in one that I watched recently. Who else was in that one? That was one with quite a, a good cast. Uh, 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 who was in that one? Oh, I can't remember now. But um, yeah, Arthur yeah, I did quite a decent part in it as a... As somebody who Jim Bergerac was very unkeen to in- investigate the the robbery of. Oh yeah, that one's got um, Michelle Collins from Forty Two, and of course Cindy Beale in EastEnders, and oh Cassia from uh, the the Keeper of Traken. Uh Yeah, yeah, glorious, good, 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 good stuff. Um, so yes, Bergerac, please, and it's about time John Nettles turned up in a Doctor Who. Let's hope he's in the sixtieth anniversary as as a. Uh, as a detective no not as a detective in a classic car there's more to him than that let's not typecast john nettles let's i want him to be a cruel alien or a interplanetary bureaucrat um but yeah it's about time nettles about time nettles did a bergerac anyway um i'm I'm aware that the running times of these episodes are getting longer because of the protracted waffle i do at the end of them i kind of think because a couple of people have encouraged me uh, you know who you are. We're going to, uh, we listen right to the end. It's now made me, I think, overcompensate for those little morsels of affirmation that I got, and everybody else has to suffer, myself included. So, I'm I'm going to stop now. <laughs>